Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Do we at Mormonism Research Ministry embody the spirit of Korahor? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Now, Eric, when we're talking with Latter-day Saints, it's not too terribly uncommon for them to get frustrated and use the logical fallacy of ad hominem. In other words, they will call us names. A typical name that we've been called many times is anti-Mormon. Now, we don't believe that we are anti-Mormon at all. We believe that we are actually pro-Mormon. We are looking out for the best interest eternally on behalf of the Latter-day Saints. But another name that I've heard more than once given to me by Latter-day Saints is they've called me Korahor. Now, most people listening to this show, not familiar with the Book of Mormon narrative, would have no idea what that even means. But Korahor, in the minds of Latter-day Saints, you might say was the epitome of the bad religious guy. And so to call us Korahor, or to refer to what we're doing as being in the spirit of Korahor, might, in the minds of the Latter-day Saints, epitomize who they think we are and what we're doing. But really, does that description fit? what we believe in what we're doing. And so I wanted to look at an article that was published in the February 1994 edition of Liahona Magazine. It was titled Korahor, and it gives a very brief description of what this individual character in the Book of Mormon believed and what he was trying to accomplish. So let's look at some of the descriptions that the Book of Mormon gives to this individual, and then let's respond and, and show that we probably don't fit that description as some Mormons might believe. It says, A man named Korahor came to Zarahemla. He did not believe in Jesus Christ and preached that what the prophets had said about the Savior was not true. And it's citing from Alma chapter 30, verses 6 through 14. So Korahor did not believe in Jesus Christ. Would that fit us? I don't think so. I think we talk about Christ all the time. We've written numerous articles on who Jesus is. But when it says that he did not believe in Jesus Christ and preached that what the prophets had said about the Savior was not true, my question would be, well, which prophets are we talking about here? Because we completely support what the Old Testament prophets said about the coming of Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ. But we admit that we do disagree with what Mormon prophets have sometimes said. So coming from a Mormon worldview, I guess they could probably see somewhat of a comparison, but we certainly don't believe a lot of the things that Mormon leaders have said, especially concerning Jesus. For instance, what Brigham Young taught on November 29th, 1857, and this is found in the Journal of Discourses, volume 6, page 95 and 96. He said, we believe we have a correct idea of the character of the Son from the writings of the apostles so far as they learned it. But while he was tabernacling in the flesh, he was more or less contaminated with fallen nature. While he was here in a body that his mother Mary bore him, he was more or less connected with and influenced by this nature that we have received. According to the flesh, he was the seed of Adam and Eve and suffered the weaknesses and temptations of his fellow mortals. 
Now, given what Brigham Young is saying here, I would certainly have a problem when he says he was more or less contaminated with fallen nature. Would we as Christians believe that statement by Brigham Young? I certainly wouldn't. No. Would you say that Jesus was contaminated with a fallen nature? Wow. No, of course not. Now, I have to admit, Brigham Young was not consistent, because there's another time when Brigham Young talks about Jesus having never sinned. Well, you think if he never sinned that he wasn't contaminated by a fallen nature, but certainly that's Brigham Young's problem, not ours. But what about Sixth President Joseph Fielding Smith? And this is found in his book, Gospel Doctrine. This is the 1986 edition, page 68. It says, even Christ himself was not perfect at first. He received not a fullness at first, but he received grace for grace, and he continued to receive more and more until he received a fullness. So he did not have a fullness. He was not perfect at first. Wouldn't that tend to go against the deity of Christ? Because we don't see Jesus as being a lesser God. According to Philippians chapter 2, he saw deity something that didn't need to be grasped. He didn't become a lesser god when he came into humanity. So what is Joseph F. Smith saying here? That's certainly not a teaching that we would hold to. And we as Christians certainly hold Jesus up on a high plane, so high in fact that we are even able to pray to him because we believe that he is God in the flesh. God became man, he came and lived among us, and yet he never lost his godhood. He was always God. And I say in Mormonism, it seems like they lower the nature of who Jesus is. And then we have 12th President Spencer W. Kimball that talks about the relationship between the Mormon Jesus and the one they call Lucifer. Kimball said, long before you were born, a program was developed by your creators. The principal personalities in this great drama were a father Elohim, perfect in wisdom, judgment, and person, and two sons, Lucifer and Jehovah. We as Christians don't believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers in any respect of that word, brothers. Lucifer was a fallen angel. The Bible describes angels as created beings as angels. We don't see anywhere in the Bible where human beings evolve into angels. That works great for Christmas movies, but that's not the way the Bible describes angels. So, of course, we wouldn't agree that Lucifer would be the brother of Jesus, and certainly we would not agree that Lucifer is our brothers. Because you have to understand, folks, in the Mormon scheme of things and what they call the preexistence, Jesus was the firstborn of heavenly parents. We were also born of heavenly father and a heavenly mother, which one we don't know. If, If you're a Mormon who thinks that there's only one heavenly mother, then you would say, well, we're all of the same parentage. But that's not always what Mormon leaders have taught. In the 19th century, when polygamy was certainly a big issue in the Mormon church, it was taught by Mormon leaders that God himself was a practicing polygamist. So you wouldn't even know who your heavenly mother was in the grand scheme of things, according to Mormonism, if you lived during the 19th century when that was being taught. And even Apostle Bruce McConkie said that would continue on in the next life for all of us who become gods and become exalted. So polygamy played an important role because imagine how many billions of spirits there are, one woman could not do all of that. Well, in light of this whole pre-existent relationship that we have, Mormonism teaches that all human beings are a part of this one great big family that began in the pre-existence as spirit children of God the Father. And 
So Jesus would also be a part of that family. So while they would claim a proud ownership of having Jesus as their literal spirit brother, Mormons would also have to say that Lucifer is their spirit brother as well. Naturally, I would argue against that. Now, in this article, it also says that Korahor taught false doctrines. Now, I can understand a Mormon assuming that perhaps we resemble Korahor because the doctrines that we teach, even though we feel confident that we can support these teachings from the Bible, Mormons disagree with a lot of those teachings that have been a part of Christianity since the beginning. So when it says Korahor taught false doctrines, I would say this can only be true if it's assumed that Mormon doctrine is true doctrine. Then it goes on to say that Korahor told the people that they were foolish to believe that Jesus would come and suffer for their sins. And the reference given there in this article is Alma 30 verses 16 and 17. But Eric, don't you believe that Jesus would come and suffer for mankind's sins? Now, certainly the Bible says that according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins, referring to Jesus, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed, referring to the passage in Isaiah. And then he goes on to say in 1 Peter 3:18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And then in four one, it says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, that he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So certainly, believing those passages, and there are many, many more, we just gave you a couple of examples, when a Latter-day Saint compares us to Korahor, and that Korahor told the people that they were foolish to believe that Jesus would come and suffer for their sins, we would disagree with Korahor on that. Right. So why would you say that we resemble him, at least in, in that particular attribute? Then it also says in this article, this is speaking of Korahor, he said that men would not be punished for their sins because there was no life after death. Many people believed Korahor, they became wicked. Now, before we go on to some verses here, when it says he said that we would not be punished for our sins. Now, I know the Articles of Faith in Mormonism says that they will be punished for their sins. If you're a Latter-day Saint, that should bother you. See, as a Christian, I don't believe I'm going to be punished for my sins because my sins were paid for by Christ dying on the cross for my sins. In the context, I understand what's being said here because Korahor didn't just stop there and say that, that we would not be punished for sins. He said that men would not be punished for their sins because there was no life after death. Well, I would believe there is life after death. There's either life everlasting or eternal life as described for the saved believer or eternal damnation, which takes place throughout eternity as well. So though I don't as a Christian believe I'm going to be punished for my sins because those sins were paid for, I do believe that there is going to be a punishment for sin for those who have not trusted in Christ and not believing that he paid the penalty for their personal sins. And that's the contrast that Paul makes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And then it says in Revelation, John writes, chapter 20, verses 10 through 15, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found in no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Something that stands out in all those passages. The people that are described in these particular verses are being judged according to their works. We don't get any impression that any of those people were considered redeemed individuals. Because they were judged according to their works, they were found lacking. They had come short of the glory of God. That is why we cannot believe that our works, they can never be good enough to meet the holy standard of God. You will come out short. So while a Mormon might want to compare us to Korahor, I think in many ways the way Korahor is described in the Book of Mormon, that certainly would not be us because we do believe just the opposite of what they are told Korahor believed. So that comparison, I think, is unnecessary. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.